We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aitlin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded Welcome back to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. What is becoming an annual tradition now? Uh, the Carolina Panthers are hosting the Arizona Cardinals this week, and like we've done the past few years, happy to bring back my good friend Blake Murphy from the Revenge of the Birds pod and Revenge of the Birds uh, blog as well. What's up, man? Hey, it's good to be on, Billy. Like you said, we've uh, played. I think at least it feels like the last few years in a row, and it's been pretty terrible for the Cardinals each time around. So it's going to be an interesting match today. Yeah, unfortunately, last year, the Cardinals were down uh, quite a few players. Kyler didn't play that game, nor did J.J. Watt. Um, Hopkins also was out, uh, but um, the former two, Watt and Kyler, should be back this week. Still, this is the last week uh, for DeAndre Hopkins' suspension. And, 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 I mean, Blake, it doesn't really take a rocket scientist to know that the Cardinals' offense without him has been very disappointing, to say the least. Uh, Kyler's production uh, with and without Hopkins' the splits are, uh, you know, they tell the full story. And um, and I would say that this has been a pretty disappointing start for the Cardinals, given their expectations, uh, new contracts for the GM and the head coach, new deal for Kyler Murray. If it didn't take Kyler Magic in that fourth quarter against the Raiders, they're staring down an 0-3 start coming to Charlotte. So I just want to hear, like, what is kind of the f- flavor and the vibes out in the desert right now? Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing is to say it's not good because most people are looking at this team and recognizing that this team has not played well. They're ranking essentially right now across the board in um, kind of average in offense, if you look at their defensive statistics, they're not the worst in the NFL, but they're definitely bottom 10. And now, of course, with context, that has to take into account uh, kind of two things. One was they played the Chiefs and kind of seemingly treated it like a preseason game due to a slew of injuries that happened like in the week leading up to the game. And also six incredible uh awful quarter incredibly awful quarters i should say before two really sensational quarters against the raiders kind of propped that up a bit and then we saw last week against the rams off to a rough start rams have not been a good team this year but so far this cardinals team seems like they've kind of taken away a lot of what they had built on from last year uh, as far as having kind of a defensive led team that would force turnovers and it's just kind of stuck hollywood brown into deandre hopkins spot now i Don't know if that's going to stick for the entire season. As you said, Hopkins comes back uh, for the week seven Thursday night game against the New Orleans Saints. And you got to wonder, like, is this a Cardinals team that normally starts fast under Cliff Kingsbury and is kind of like going to see if they can finish fast for once? Or is this going to be more of a year over year type of struggle that we'll see? 
Yeah, for sure. And again, it's still early in this season. And I think that win in Las Vegas really helped them. Um, because if you look at their other two opponents, the Rams and the Chiefs, uh, obviously those are at home and you want to win home games, but uh, those are still two of the upper echelon teams in the league. Uh, but you know, if you're looking at it from a pessimistic angle, they weren't really competitive in either of those games. Uh, so it kind of goes both ways. Uh, but let's stick to this matchup here because this has been a thorn in Cliff Kingsbury's side for the past three or four years. Uh, Matt Rule was very complimentary of Cliff during his presser yesterday. He spoke very highly of him. Uh, someone on the beat brought up his record against Kingsbury the past four times. Uh, and he was kind of effusive in his praise for uh, you know, the head coach for the Cardinals. But this has been kind of a very weirdly difficult matchup for them. And sometimes you kind of just chalk it off to one thing or another. In 2019, it was Kyler's rookie season. And 2020, it was COVID, a lot of weird things happening coming on to the East Coast. Uh, and then to last year, Kyler wasn't playing, but the week before they won in San Francisco. So what is it about the Panthers that presents such a such an issue for the Cardinals? Yeah, I, I think it's hard to know because, again, like you've said, this is uh, since 2013, at least, was the last time that the Cardinals actually beat the Panthers. This is like you had Daryl Washington and Carlos Dansby were not just still on the team, but still in the league during that time period. Uh, it seems like that there's just been a huge case of overall, um, whether it's been preparation, whether it's been something that's been known, whether it's like you said, some like injury areas that have occurred. Um, it, it hasn't really mattered what the Panthers have had with the Cardinals, whether they had Kyle Allen, or I know that was a PJ Walker game last year. Uh, granted, it was Colt McCoy, of course, starting, but Cardinals defense in 2019 was uh, absolutely ridiculous as far as for how bad they were in pass coverage. Uh, I know Patrick Peterson have been suspended. Kyle Allen and Christian McCaffrey like went off. That's like probably the best game you'll ever see Kyle Allen play. And then 2020 was unique because like a lot of us coming in as Cardinals fans looked at how easy that schedule was and said this team probably could start six and oh, well, they started four and two and it was a close fought game against the Lions and then they just came out flat and the end score of 31-21, it wasn't really that close. Panthers just kind of Went up, I believe it was 21 zip in the first quarter with Teddy Bridgewater. It just seemed like the team did not really seem prepared for the road trip. Maybe like you're right as far as just whether the mentality or COVID or maybe uh, I know that game was also you had a multiple of injuries um, as far as at the safety position for the Cardinals. They had one poor safety who got like destroyed and cut from the team later that week. So it's like you said, whether it's something that's in your head or like the joke I've, we've made as Cardinals fans is Cliff has never beaten a blue cat mascot team. I've never beaten the lions. They have tied, but them and the Panthers. And it's also most of these games. What's crazy is like you said, they're not even competitives, 30, 20, 38, 20, 31, 21. And of course, last year, uh, Hassan Reddick revenge game against Colt McCoy, uh, who Cardinals went open up, went aggressive. Cam Newton made his return to the Cardinals and kind of gave us a little flashback to the, you know, Cardinal glory days of old back in 2015, just not the way that Cardinals fans wanted to remember it. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's probably a coincidence more so than any type of, um, well, maybe, trend. maybe. We'll yeah. see if how Matt rule as far as with Cliff's offensive, you know, like one of the things we noted was there's some offensive and defensive coordinators just for one reason or another, the matchup just doesn't seem to hit very well. That's something I think you could say about whether it's players or teams or personnel, or maybe it's just the season in which you play. It's an out of division conference foe that, you know, you're looking to beat to stay ahead in whatever form of a playoff race. And last year, the Panthers were, I believe completely lost every game the rest of the season, except for their last win had been against, you know, the Cardinals. So it's, you never know when it comes to some of this stuff. I think there's a little more luck into it than people think, but I, I don't ever discount, you know, that emotional aspect of the human experience that the Cardinals just have struggled against the Panthers. And until you can get over that hill, it's a hard hill to climb. Oh, for sure. For sure. There's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, 
fortunately for the Cardinals, the game is a 4.05 start. Um, I don't know why it's starting a little late, but it does benefit Arizona. Um, and I'm not sure how much that matters, What, how Kingsbury does in the early 1 p.m. starts versus the uh, later 4 o'clock starts. But regardless, I think that'll help them uh, in any aspect. But let's stick with the offense here because this has been a unit that you know much fanfare in the past because of the weapons they've had with Hopkins um, but now they've had to adjust without him and um, you're seeing it all over uh, you know NFL live and Twitter about the height of these receivers whether it's Greg Dortch or Rondale Moore um, and then you get the tight end Ertz who's obviously reliable and uh, the running back, uh, James Conner, got a new contract this offseason. Um, really played really well last year. He looks good this year, too. So uh, from your standpoint, they run a lot of plays on offense, like a lot. And uh, I was just watching the Rams game the other day, and it was striking like how much how many times they went for it and fourth down, but they're still not generating like the explosive play. Like, And I think the Rams do a pretty good job of, you know, not allowing it, but at the same time, this unit, there's a lot of expectations and they're probably not playing as well as you like it, given the injuries as well. What do you make of it? And where do you think they, how do you feel like they should be trending as the year goes on? Yeah, I think it's going to, at some point have to trend up at least because you're talking about a, you know, the offensive line hasn't seen too many guys ravaged by injury. And in years past, we would complain about lack of depth that the Cardinals would have. I know for me, a couple of years ago, I remember when 2018 hit and you're like looking at how Christian Kirk is kind of your outside ride receiver one. And you've got Larry Fitzgerald kind of just having to be like a blocking tight end for the most part. And as a possession receiver, which is kind of the role that Zach Ertz has done, albeit without the blocking, uh, that's just been kind of a nature of his game. That's been uh, interesting for this season with the contract that they gave. And then the subsequent drafting of, you know, a guy like Trey McBride in the second round, which surprised a few people, um, especially the fact that he hasn't been utilized as much yet. It, it seems right now with the Cardinals that, Uh, A lot of what I think they wanted to do on offense, as far as replacing DeAndre Hopkins, as far as the passing game, was to kind of put Hollywood Brown in that spot for the most part, knowing that he may be flipping around or moving around the formation a bit more just due to necessity when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. But as far as injuries are concerned, like Moore got hurt the Thursday before their first game. And we had talked about Greg Dortch as Cardinals fans being the guy you want to get, not Andy Isabella, go after this undrafted guy. He's been lighting it up at camp. He's getting separation. It was just an area you could see him kind of take on that slot receiver role that you've kind of seen across the board from, you know, like a Julian Edelman or Wes Welker, like that air raid slot as far as, you know, not just being used as a deep threat, but it's just, it's, as long as you can get open, that's more of their type of style. They're not as much of a big slot type of offense, uh, not just because of, um, you know, as far as for other places, they also have to make do with Kyler Murray's height. Um, that's one of the things, obviously, with adjusting that's been different. And they've lost a lot of those guys, at least as far as with injury, like A.J. Green, they brought back. A lot of fans didn't thought he was kind of cooked or done. They brought him back for another season. And Antoine Wesley, who's their other outside kind of Z possession receiver, 50-50 ball jump guy, gets hurt in camp. So suddenly you're down at least uh, two receivers. You then start to end up losing other guys, at least. And you end up with essentially a passing offense that you know, works through with Hollywood Brown and Greg Dortch because they haven't quite been able to figure out that Zach Ertz involvement. And their team gets down a lot. And when they get down, what Cliff has tended to do is spread guys out, pass the ball and throw to be able to catch up because there's, they can run a lot of plays, but the amount of time that they kind of get left in a game just hasn't been conducive. And maybe there's, you know, we can talk at least about some clock management, other stuff that popped up, I know, against the Rams and the Raiders in different ways. But it's not like to say that it's all on the weapons. You can kind of say that Murray could play better, but as a result of the defense just being 
one of the worst against the pass and the Cardinals starting out slow on offense, you kind of wonder at least if there's either a, you're going to be seeing a different type of offense when Hopkins comes back, maybe more Kyler designed runs, at least try to save his body early in the season. Maybe you end up seeing, you know, a difference when Rondale Moore comes back as far as being able to have two guys with four, three speed, or maybe you're looking at the offense just going, man, like maybe we just haven't seen the same adjustments that Cliff has needed to. I thought that they were going to go out and use more of a two tight end offense, use Trey McBride a lot as well, that blocker halfback, um, kind of like maybe H-back even type of role. Um, we've seen plays in the past where Cliff has used a tight end like a fullback and then brought them out on a passing route. And it just feels like some of that creativity is just kind of not quite been there. And so you're wondering is this going to be what we see after like everyone gets their extensions or is there going to be adjustments? Cause there've been adjustments we've seen in the past, but it just feels like that this Cardinals team has kind of come in with that same identity that they left 2021 with without Deandre Hopkins. And it's led to ultimately uh, offense, moving the ball, moving the chains. Kyler's probably developed better as a passer. I think in a lot of ways from what we've seen, but Right now, the offense is in a state where unless he's basically being a superstar, they're struggling to be able to keep up with other teams on offense just because of their defense. What do you make of this kind of discourse that's going around, um, you know, the Cardinals as far as Kyler Murray needing to run the ball more, whether it's designed quarterback um, runs or scrambles? Is that something that the offense needs more of? Like, I've never felt that. I mean, they've called these plays for him, but I also don't think you need to because he's not necessarily built like like a Lamar or even like a Josh. I mean, obviously, he's not Josh Allen, but he's not necessarily like a Lamar where, you, you know, he doesn't have like people always kind of criticize Lamar because they think he's frail, but he's not. He's actually built really well. Uh, for Kyler, it's a little different. Like he runs really well, really well. Like he's very difficult to capture in the open field. Uh, but I just wonder, like, is there any merit in your opinion that Kyler should be running the ball more? Yeah, I think there's two areas. One, I think that the stat does, and this is kind of what I feel like as far as my philosophy on the NFL and why, you know, like a great example, I think you look back a couple of years, people remember the Vikings that had John Filippo as their offensive coordinator. They're throwing the ball like some 40 something times a game. He gets fired. They bring in another guy under Mike Zimmer who then commits to running the ball more. I think it may have been Stefanski unless I'm mistaken, at least. Um I'll have to remember at least. Yeah, it was. It was. was, Yep, Stefanski. Not only A, is it show that coordinators and play calling is important as far as for the identity, but the way I view offense in the run is is not that you want to necessarily go and become like a – you know, balanced offense is needed. Like I think people make jokes about like uh, Ezekiel Elliott, like, like, oh, they got to hand the ball to him this many times or, oh, if you run the ball, you'll win. I think it's more that when you have an effective and complete offense, you're attacking them in multiple areas, such as passing the ball, running the ball. Um, You can look at Sean McVay against the Cardinals last week. He had an end around touchdown design for Cooper Cup that was a rushing play and also had a passing play to a wide receiver for the fullback position that was able to get a great matchup. It's being able to have multifaceted approach because that way there's more that the defense has to account for. And when you've got Kyler Murray's legs and he's a guy who can, you know, pick up a first down before he can get caught, that's production that goes into your system. That's something that the defense has to account for. It's something where you also, I think, do need some of those plays just due to height, Um, whether it's, you know, Josh Allen or others, what shorter quarterbacks have had to kind of adjust and do is being able to find their lanes, being able to have the right vision, and then also being able to have good targets over the middle of the field, at least that have some height. I I think of Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham, at least for the most part as a receiver, how a lot of that ended up working out super well. And there's, I think at least a value too of having that offense where you can get guys, whether it's off of like a bootleg, whether it's a different form of play action. Uh, Cliff believes that Kyler in his play design is not able to kind of run or keep stuff on the RPO if he's outside of the shotgun. So the kind of, save those under center plays for the goal line or short yardage situations. I think what I would look at is, is that you're probably looking at a passing offense where teams are both keeping Kyler in the pocket and forcing them to kind of, you know, that same type of thing we can see around the NFL, take away the deep passing ball, take away, make them have to earn every single yard. 
And the shorter quarterbacks are guys that are having to adjust. And it's, it's not like Burry's like going out there and you're saying, Oh, this guy needs to be replaced. Like they had him throw out 58 times. He completes 37 of those for 314 yards. It's like, okay, you're still getting like 10 yards a pop and you have 140 passing yards all on one side, really to Hollywood Brown. So it's not like you're talking about that. It's not working, but it does seem that the Cardinals in a lot of different ways are having teams take away something that makes him really dynamic. And that's something I think that you can talk about with quarterbacks all day long. If you take away something that makes them special, then they have to be able to have kind of that secondary card. And for the Cardinals, I think they're still trying to be able to figure out what that secondary card is because right now with this offense of Brown and Greg Dorch and, um, you know, trying to be able to have James Conner as a lead running back versus more of the kind of thunder to chase Edmonds lightning last year, it doesn't really feel like it's working nearly as well as we saw it last year with the Cardinals being able to kind of be a front running team that would force a fumble, make teams pay for it. And then would just run up the score early in the season. Yeah. I kind of want to go back and just, just myself personally, I want to watch the rewatch some of those highlights from early in 2021, just to see what they were doing to attack defenses. And again, I, I think Hopkins certainly helps in that regard, but um, I do think that there were some other elements that people aren't giving uh, Kingsbury credit for it, but after they started seven and zero last year, everything has just seemed to at least take a tumble. And you know, the issue to me is just the discrepancy between the front office and the coaching staff. Because if you're going to draft a tight end with your first pick, because they traded the first one to get uh, Marquise Brown, if you draft a tight end, the first tight end drafted, mind you, and I, I liked Trey McBride. But if you're only using two tight ends just 13 and a half percent of the time, which is like 29th in the NFL, and then yeah, I mean, everyone can make fun of Christian Kirk's contract, but if you're seeing how he's doing in Jacksonville compared to how he did, you know, under Kingsbury for three years, it just makes you wonder if Cliff is this offensive innovator who knows how to put his players in the best position to succeed, or maybe this is what Kyler needs and their upside is limited because of that. I don't know the answer to it. I think Kyler is much more talented than given credit for. I'm just trying to kind of, you know, understand where the balance lies and some of the uh, issues that are currently happening with their offense. Yeah, and I think that you're you're right on the nail as far as the, where the Cardinals decided this offseason to attack. They look at their offense and they looked at everything and they said, "All right, we're going to lose Christian Kirk, but we've got Rondale Moore back here. You know, they probably they, they had tons of slot receivers at least available in Arizona. You know, they had a willingness to bring him back at a certain price point and felt like Jacksonville just, you know, went a bit above and beyond, which is what you can do in free agency. It's how the Cardinals were able to sign J.J. Watt ahead of some other teams is because they were willing to pay more, have a rookie quarterback contract, and that's just kind of how the NFL business works. But when they brought back both Ertz and Connor on these three-year deals, and part of what they look for is not just, you know, star players and leadership, one of the questions that I had was, all right, like, are you going to – use Zach Ertz in these two tight end sets a lot more often. And the answer at least has been maybe one half of it is just, we haven't gotten to see the team use it as much because they're constantly having to play from behind. And so he's just running 10 personnel and throwing the ball um, all the time, just to try to play catch up. Uh, and maybe some of it is just that the um, way you're talking about signing a 32 year old tight end to a three-year deal when there's issues with blocking and the way that he just hasn't used the tight end for the most part in his offense outside of, you know, a decent stretch from 2000 and, uh, 2020, I think it was 2019. And then early 2021, when you got to see, I think at least more of the rushing attack actually take off and Murray was running the ball a bit more frequently. Um, that was kind of more of what people I think were envisioning this offense for this year. And so instead you're like, could you have gotten like a, a Hayden Hurst or, you know, signed, you know, like a, a Hooper, Austin Hooper to like a shorter, smaller deal to play that exact same role that Zach Ertz is. And, and some of it's Arizona, just they have a hard time not just being able to lure stars to their 
a place, but being able to kind of keep some of those star players around and having that consistency, um, it's kind of been an issue in the past for them. They're a team that has not drafted well. And as a result, the vast majority of their players come from other NFL teams. And if you're looking at like guys who are they're going to be extending, uh, you know, like the one guy who has been a surprising player this year has been Byron Murphy. He yes. was lower on the spectrum than the likes of a Jalen Thompson, who probably was should have been a at least close to a pro bowler last year. And the joke I had is, you know, when the Cardinals talk about Steve Kime and his drafting, but that was like the one player in that supplemental draft. And boy, when there's one player in a draft, like, you know, Kyler Murray, Jalen Thompson, yeah, they, they know how to nail it. But as far as it's gone for the rest of the team and the structure, it just it's been kind of an interesting area where you go all in on this entire experience of Cliff Kyler kind and that's coming off of a really kind of downturn to end the season and now a slow start to the season a lot of fans are upset and I I totally understand it now I, I will say I don't think that they're a bad team yet because if they win this week suddenly you're back to two and two if the Niners end up beating the Rams suddenly you're again tied for lead in the NFC West you know you're going to have DeAndre Hopkins back and you've got two games upcoming against the uh, Seahawks, who've looked atrocious this year, and also the NFC contending Eagles. So you at least have a chance to go 500 before Hopkins is back, which is kind of what people expected for this team. But like you said, it feels like this is a 0-3 type of team or a team that very easily could or should be 0-3 going into this game against the Panthers on the road, which like the best way I think someone said, I said before the season was even if the Cardinals are two and one at this point, uh, this would be a, a clear and obvious trap game. Yeah, for sure. And I think this sets up pretty well for Carolina. They are coming off a, a win and they got pretty unfortunate, at least in the first game at the end, but still right. um, you probably shouldn't be putting yourself in that hole. But again, like I said, I think just the way that they've played this offense under Phil Snow, I think it gives them an opportunity to really, um, you know, carry that momentum forward. Now we have to see how McCaffrey's health will progress because if he's not available, um, then we're talking about a wholly different experience potentially. But uh, just judging from some reports, it seems like uh, it's a precaution. And I do before I actually move on to the other side of the ball. Uh, what are your kind of early indications on the Cardinals injury report? It looks like um, uh, Watt was another DNP today. Uh, and then you guys had a host of other players limited, uh, but it seems like most of them probably are going to play. But uh, I think the two limited players that show up here in bold are uh, the center, Ronnie Hudson uh, and the guard, Justin Pugh and, um, J.J. Watt as well. Do you expect those three to play? I do. Um, Watt has been interesting because he did not play in the first game and kind of came back at least uh, against the Raiders and even got – he's the only guy on the team who's got a sack. Uh, Cardinals have been surprisingly effective at generating pressure, but you can look at least at just the statistics and how that goes and see part of the reason why is – there's been tons of blitzing because they've not really been able to get to the quarterback, but also on the back end, they're 30th right now in yards per game uh, given up against the pass. So you're talking about as far as defense goes this season, it's like about 280 yards a game. Only the Ravens and Dolphins are worse. And part of that's because you had like 400 passing yards for both of those quarterbacks in one game. So that secondary has not been in the greatest of shape. They had injuries to Antonio Hamilton and an untimely uh, passing of Jeff Gladney. That was kind of their off-season band-aid. For whatever reason, Arizona decided to not really spend on the defense. And I feel like it may be that there's a couple of possible reasons why like the obvious one at least is that there's just incompetence of believe that things would be good things were not they should have spent more you would think that at this point they probably would have done a little bit more as far as for making moves ahead of the offseason um, one possibility at least is that they are wanting to just evaluate what they have on defense and know that we're going to trust Murray in the offense when Hopkins comes back to basically carry this team and have our young players play on defense, they'll get better as the season goes on, and then we can be at least a competitive team this season. Um, so far, injuries and lack of depth have kind of 
hurt. Some, I think, of those plans where I think that they probably didn't expect it to be this rough. Um, one other possibility that some fans believe is that if the season goes poorly, that Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator, could be a scapegoat. Uh, we wondered in 2019 if he was going to be retained for 2020. And he's actually like the defense has improved under his watch each year while Kingsbury and the offense would kind of hover about 15th or so. Now, obviously, the I test, at least for the most part, has shown improvement in Kyler Murray over those years. Just we've also seen regression in some different ways as well. And I think at least that unless one of those is the case, that some of it is probably just that the Cardinals didn't invest as much talent wise. It's probably not going to be a good defense this year. And a lot of that comes from that, despite the fact that some of the younger players are stepping up. Um, they're really just banking on, uh, I think it is their number two cornerback, Antonio Hamilton, getting healthy. They are banking on some of their depth and Marco Wilson to play well. And they're seeing if Trayvon Mullen can probably be the cornerback four. Um, but the coverage situation ultimately isn't really even, I think, been there. I think the corners, all things considered, outside of last week, you had your cornerback five called up from the practice squad, gives up 140 yards on your own, on his own, I should say, and Jace Whitaker. The issue has been the linebackers. Isaiah Simmons has not been playing, and Zayvon Collins is showing some flashes, but not really showing elite linebacker ability, more as just that he could be a solid player, at least, it seems. Maybe that ceiling gets raised in his year three, but right now, Arizona just invested a heavy amount of picks into the offense. They invested heavily at linebacker and they've not really had as much on the defensive line or at the cornerback position. And when you end up taking away from that, there's an opportunity cost and your linebackers are just, you know, I think they had was a special team or Ben Neiman got like rotation of snaps last week. You're, you're going to have a bad time, especially if you've got a schedule like they do this year against the NFC and AFC West. Oh, for sure. And let's get to that defense now. I thought Vance, he had a very poor game plan week one, trying to blitz Mahomes, but I think he did pretty well uh, the past couple weeks here to adjust, um, especially in week two. Uh, Devontae Adams, they bracketed him and kind of essentially dared him not to beat. Uh, they dared the Raiders to try to ask anyone else to beat them. And the Raiders actually did move the ball on nearly every drive until that fourth quarter. Um, and they were players wide open, like Carr missed a couple times, uh, Renfro just running streaking open for a TD. But he did a, do a good job against Adams, and I think Murphy um, also played really well. And then last week they did a decent job of just containing the Rams' offense. It was, um, yeah, it was mainly the defense that kind of led up there, or excuse me, the offense that wasn't really producing. So this is a a unit that has a lot of investment, whether it's JJ Watt, whether it's the draft picks, Collins, Simmons, Murphy even was a pretty high draft pick. Uh, they paid Jalen Thompson. Um, and obviously Buda Baker is one of the better safeties in the league. Uh, but it always just seems to me like the, some of the parts never equal a respectable to good unit like it's a mm. an okay unit like it's pretty average to maybe a little above average at times but i just feel like it's and i'm not sure if that's personnel or not um another guy who's having like a little semi breakout year is zach allen mm -hmm. um so what do you kind of make of this unit because it seems like there's some good players on here at least some players that were uh, given the investment of them um they should be performing at a better level does that just come down to uh, coaching? Uh, does it come down to just personnel not being a good fit in Vance Joseph's defense? Or maybe the players just aren't good, and I'm overrating that. I think it's a I think honestly like the best and it's going to seem like a cop out answer, but I think that's all of the above in different ways. I think that one of the things you can at least like focus on, let's talk about with coaching. Uh, there's areas as far as for with Vance Joseph and how his defensive philosophy works, where he was more than willing to essentially give up large gains in order to force turnovers and game changing plays, which when you get those, you can see like a great example would be end of the Rams game. On the goal line, Cam Akers has a forced fumble that's picked up. Cardinals suddenly are down one score um, with it being like a 20 to 12, at least for the most. Or I should say um, not just one score, um, would have been down one score. Cliff Kingsbury went for it on 
fourth down didn't feel like they could stop the Rams. He was right up until the very, very end where they had that goal line stand. They're down by two scores, um, 11 points. That kind of is like the thing that kept Arizona in the game. Like that's one of the avenues you can say as a plus as far as how it's been designed and how some of those blitz packages have been able to work. You can at least see it's not like you're you know throwing a guy out there who's you know incompetent or that it's bad. You can at least see ideas with the defense. You can see improvement, but you know, there are areas at least of where sometimes it'll feel like that the coverages are maybe a bit softer. Like great example is it's third and three and you give up maybe four yards. You're like, man, what, that was just an easy comeback route. You didn't really even contest that. You're just trying to take away a deeper pass. Some of those kind of coverage areas, some of it's reading. I know the defense has had issues with the younger players of just being able to get communication in. Um, they've had guys running into each other, at least through different mix-ups. There's been issues as far as forgetting some of those young players. Um, it does kind of seem like things are just not on the front page as a result with the front office for a lot of that. And I think that dates back a couple of years to where the Cardinals front office signs Terrell Suggs to a contract and Vance Joseph looks at Chandler Jones and Terrell Suggs and is like, now, which one of these players do I want to have over the tight end who may have to cover against the pass? And that kind of philosophy in general is just going to be a problem. You can say that's a personnel thing. It's also kind of an adaptability coaching thing too. You end up where Chandler Jones still has a 19 sack and sacks, but Terrell Suggs because he just wasn't able to perform and kind of stole a little bit of money, I think, at the end of his career as far as like it's concerned. It's not like, you know, I always say, uh, let me rephrase that. Um, I always root for players to secure the bag if you can get it. But as far as for like what Arizona wanted, and brought Vance a player that just was not really a great fit. We've seen how over the years he's wanted steady, consistent players who know his defense. And Steve Kime gives him these hybrid freak linebackers that, you know, can kind of play multiple positions, but aren't really a master of one and just kind of throws it at him and says, here you go. And I, I think it's kind of both of those that go in where, you know, if the Cardinals did make a move at defensive coordinator and change some of their approach and philosophy, it'd be interesting to see what they would do as far as, you know, would they move to more of a zone coverage team, making use of some of the ball skills that guys like Buda Baker and uh, especially Byron Murphy have, um, would you end up seeing, um, things kind of decline a bit because they've poured in a lot of talent over the last three to four years. It's, it's kind of one of those interesting areas where you feel like that there's organizational hiccups that are going on. Uh, I think that the way I would look at it with Vance Joseph is if he were to walk Cardinals fans, wouldn't be too sad about it because I think there's areas, but it's also, I think a factor of there's not been enough wrong or problematic with the defense where you feel like you have to be able to move on because there is areas that it feels like with personnel. So at the, at the end of the day, I think it's just one of those areas of where I wonder how much of it is whatever Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell, that combination, it kind of feels like this may be the best that they can do at least for right now, as far as at the DC spot. And it's something that we've seen, of course, it's, it's not like that you're being weighted down from it. It just means that you're going to be a, a lot more, um, inconsistent, I think, as a result. And, you know, you, you feel at least in a lot of different ways of how the team talked up Isaiah Simmons said he's in for a major role. And then he just kind of gets sent to the bench that uh, something is just kind of going on behind the scenes of whether it's usage and coaching or just my at least belief for that is that the front office and the coaching staff are just not on the same page. And I think that's a struggle that's continued to today. As you look forward to this matchup on this side of the ball, uh, it's pretty clear that Baker Mayfield is struggling um, and the Panthers' offense as a whole. Uh, and to the Cardinals' credit, Kyler, I believe, is 2-0 and against Mayfield. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's something that kind of benefits you guys. This, um, but what are you looking forward to in this, this specific matchup? between the Panthers' offense and the Cardinals' defense? What do you feel like is going to be like the – uh, the big difference, if there is one, uh, when this yeah. game is played on Sunday. Yeah, that the, like someone said that the Panthers passing attack is struggling and the Cardinals are the third worst passing defense, at least. And so it's almost like that, you know, stoppable force meets the movable object like that. That's kind of the area of is this going to be a bigger plus for Mayfield or is this going to be more of a help to Arizona's defense? And, uh, you know, whether it's going to be just I think one of the things that we're going to see is. 
um, how it comes down to turnovers and ball security. Because uh, through this season, Kyler Murray has only, I believe, one interception or one turnover um, where there was a player at least he had the underneath coverage, got picked off, taking a deep shot. Arizona hasn't taken a lot of deep shots this year, but overall they haven't fumbled the ball. They haven't really done that much as far as, you know, turning it over. Mayfield's his credit. It just, it's kind of been the same. He's only got one interception so far this year, but you just look at all of the results and are like, man, it's just like, they're not, their offense is completing like 48% of their passes. It's just been kind of brutal as far as it's like 51% of the passes so far. The passing attack has just not really been working. And that's, kind of been shocking at least for the most part given the fact that man like there's some good weapons in Carolina DJ Moore you can talk obviously about you know Curtis Samuel uh, even LaVisca Schnolten I've got involved as of last week it just it seems that there's just kind of a shift and maybe some of that is going to be time but uh, some of it is just I think the limitations that you're going to see at quarterback Arizona has been able to take advantage of those Every time they've played Baker the last few years um, there were some interceptions that they got on deep balls that um, we're just not really on target to Odell Beckham Jr. in the Browns game. Arizona, of course, is playing Steve Wilkes, and the Steve Wilkes run defense is not really the, the greatest in the, in the world, unfortunately. We got to see that firsthand. And then the following year, J.J. Watt and others were essentially taking advantage of an injured Baker Mayfield, but you know they were able to get pressure on him, and he kept trying to scramble the pocket. And it's one of those plays where you're like, yeah, Kyler Murray could probably run away from that guy, but Baker, like, he's not even going to be Kirk Cousins running away from that. And you can't act like, you know, you're Johnny football when you're not one of those types of athletes for the yeah. most part. So I think that that's where I think that the twist will be is if Arizona's offense comes out and continues to struggle and it's like the best way I would put it is um, kind of they keep stepping on their own foot. That's where I think the Panthers would need to be able to take advantage and just be able to take advantage of a Cardinals team that really is done much better against the run, but has really just against the pass not been great. And that's including screen passes to running backs. They've been kind of eaten alive on. And um, when you've got speed as far as for tackling in the open field, like that's two of those things that seem to like have Christian McCaffrey's name all over them. If of course he ends up suiting up and being healthy on Sunday. So it's a weird Avenue, but I think right now going in, you take a look at the quarterbacks and how they're playing and say, if the Cardinals can avoid turnovers, just like we saw how, the Panthers are able to force turnovers on Jameis Winston. They were able to get to the victory if, because you'd probably take Kyler Murray as the quarterback over Baker Mayfield. So that would be where Arizona yeah, would yeah, have to course. drop the ball. Yeah. Uh, this is where Arizona would have to drop the ball essentially. And like you not to say, I think it's, I, but I think that they're still at least going into it, the better team, but again, they they've been the better team before and the Panthers have still won the game and it hasn't been close. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's going to be an interesting matchup just to see if Kingsbury has learned from some of his mistakes when he's faced this team. And I think, um, you know, the number one thing that they should do um, is try to establish a run. And uh, the Panthers struggled mightily against the Browns run game in week one, but uh, they've bounced back the past two weeks and they faced some two really good running backs and Saquon and Kamara. So, um, uh, you know, James Conner, he's obviously a very talented back himself, but I don't think he's at the level of, you know, the first three guys that they faced, um, Chubb, Kamara, and Barkley. Um, and there is some revenge angle too, because Steve Wilkes is a defensive backs coach yep. for the Panthers. Um, and so, yeah, he's obviously doesn't run the defense, but they're, uh, their young defensive backs like J.C. Horn and uh, C.J. Henderson, they've been playing all right for the most part. Um, uh, Horn had a very good game last week, so he's still kind of getting himself reacclimated after uh, his seasoning and ending injury. So uh, for me, I think the biggest key to this game is just going to be offensively for Kingsbury. Uh, mm-hmm. How is How are they going to attack? Because again, this is a defense that he's seen. It's a lot of light boxes. Um, they're going to, you know, maybe throw a guy or two there in the box to try to disguise some blitzes. But at the same time, um, the best way for the Cardinals to really kind of just stay ahead of the chains and uh, stay out of long down a distance is just running the ball. Because if you try to get into a drop back game, I think Carolina has the athletes 
defensively to kind of chase Kyler down, whereas Las Vegas didn't. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of those uh, plays that he improvised, I just didn't, don't think like as good as Crosby and Chandler Jones are, uh, they are they don't they don't necessarily have the athleticism to just continue to chase Kyler. And I think yeah. this defense, their strength is you know athleticism at that spot. And um, Brian Burns is obviously the main guy, but even guys like uh, Marquise Haynes, Gross Matos, um, will be interesting to see if Amari Barno is active. Uh, but the other guys that the tie that are the linebackers as well. So, but this is a good opportunity for Kingsbury to really show that, you know, because if you lose this game to Carolina, you're one and three. Um, you still have to play the Rams again and the 49ers twice. Uh, it's going to be an uphill battle. And I'm not sure that the, uh, you know, a lot of the kind of talk, the narrative, the cloud that's hanging over Arizona is going to go away because it, for Carolina, it's been there for the past months, ever since role was retained. Uh, but winning last week kind of just quieted down some of those talk. And um, but we'll see. Yeah, no, and that's one of the things that'll be interesting is uh, Rondell Moore. If he does return, what does the offense look like? Because Greg Dortch has at least been one of the best separators so far um, this season. He's done exceedingly well, considering that he was kind of thrust into duty. Um, do they keep all three of those receivers? How does that work if A.J. Green is probably not going to play this week? That, that lack of size that they're going to have is just going to be crazy. Like when you're looking at running the ball with, if you've got a 11 personnel that you're going to put out there and try to run the ball with you know, three smaller receivers, then you're just going to have to get those tight ends involved. And Cliff's been reticent to do that for the most part. So I think one of the big matchups that you'll see is exactly how he's going to use those receivers if that does turn into, you know, passing game we'll see how the weather holds up if it's going to be a slop fest or a wet field uh, that's one of the things you'll look at as far as that goes you know well the field is actually it's a turf field oh so. yeah turf field that's right so that's actually that's going to be one of those things it's going to be if it ends up raining at all during the uh time frame as far as leftover hopefully we'll get some clear skies because yeah no, whenever that... you get yeah whenever you get to one of those things like there then both of those teams have been like able to run the ball and win in the past but them doing it to each other then that, that'd be interesting yeah no the the hurricane residual effects should go away by early saturday morning so sunday should be clear it's going to be a little cooler uh, especially on game time um right, but at 4 yeah it, at least which Arizona's yeah, had issues going east but at 10 a.m before so it being a little later like we said that maybe not that the nfl gave them a favor but it's, you know like you look and try to kind of pick and pinch it little areas of weakness the biggest one i would at least look at overall is going to be how does cliff at least use the matchups because last week he had guys that he was able to get matched up on cornerback three four and five it's part of why marquise brown had 140 receiving yards at least the rams just said we'll give you the you know 10 yard out route we just don't want you to be this deep we're going to leave our safeties there and he was still able just to beat their corners it's not going to be the same i think against the likes of a jc horn and that's going to be something that we'll have to see. I agree with you that if Arizona can come out and run the ball um, using those tight ends a bit more, at least either it's of either play action or just being able to commit to it. Darrell Williams has actually been obvious, honestly, as a runner has looked a little better than James Conner. He's had a little less wear and tear, uh, but he hasn't really gotten the ball that much, but he's averaging at least for this season, like some seven yards of carry, which is interesting as far as it just seems like he's got a little more juice uh, it seems Eno Benjamin is just as far as a smaller back. He doesn't have the same burst that a Chase Edmonds did. Does at least bring something in the past game. But if they're going to be running the ball, at least you're going to be also looking at how does it happen with Kyler Murray if he's going to run the ball or not. Because if Arizona comes out and effectively like says we're going to give each of our guys you know five to six carries and that includes Kyler, that may be the place where Arizona is able to actually start to turn some things around against a Panthers defense that you know it trends decent against the run right now as far as like the some of the stats go but I think you and I can kind of agree a lot of that's just kind of been due to the way that the teams have have gone for most but I I haven't really felt that the um, Panthers secondary has been like outstanding but I haven't felt like it's been you know as bad as the Cardinals secondary so teams have been able to at least move down the field on them it's it's really going to be interesting because part of me says I could see this being a game that like you know Cardinals could win but um I did want to talk a little bit about with Cliff also as well. Um, I said going into this season that I felt like that 
if long as they can get to two and two, pretty much you're fine. Like there weren't really that many concerns. I said that if you start off one and three or even two and four, as long as you kind of turn it around late, people will, you know, they'll forget about it. If Kingsbury goes to Carolina and loses at one and three, and then you kind of see next week's Fox game of the week against the Eagles uh, end up being a blowout of the Cardinals where they just get destroyed. Like that may be the area where all of a sudden you're going to hear, like, it's going to get so loud in Arizona. It's going to be like as loud as like the Mike McCoy uh, areas back in 2018 when he was dismissed after seven games. And I, it's hard to know because like we said, Michael Bidwell extended GM head coach for five or six years. Like, you know, what would happen at that point? The team almost needs some of those good vibes, I think, with a win to be able to come back because then they can just look at the Eagles game and be like, doesn't matter if we get shellac. I'm sure we're probably not going to pass them up, but we got Seattle the next week and we can get to three and three. And then when you got Hopkins back, if that lifts your team up enough, maybe you can at least see him make a run. But, you know, like they're going to be on hard knocks later. Um, it's one of those areas of where if the Cardinals do get off to a poor start and then you see that's or kind of continue despite Hopkins coming back, then you're going to kind of reach almost like a rock and a hard place of trying to figure out, you know, like what is kind of the identity that Cliff is bringing. You built everything into the offense this year and it hasn't performed up to expectation. And you really have seen Vance Joseph almost overperform with what he's been held, but it's still been just a bad defense. So it's one of those weird spots where the Cardinals right now, like you said, you're going to probably find out a lot about them, I think, based off of this game, because I don't think it's a necessarily must win type of game. Man, if they end up like falling and start the season one and five, like forget at least finishing strong for the most part with Kingsbury, like people may start tuning into HBO every week to see if he gets, you know, fired live on air or something ridiculous like that. And I don't know if I see the Cardinals owner doing that after extending, but like I said, like the condition for Kingsbury to be on the hot seat or for questions was going to be at 0 and 4. And outside of that one quarter of the Raiders game, they could be an 0-4 type of team if they lose this week to the Panthers. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting regardless, just because of, like I said earlier, the dark cloud that kind of hangs over both of these head coaches and where they kind of take their team from there. So there, it's a gut check. Uh, I don't think anyone would – well, some people might, but the Cardinals clearly had the better quarterback in this game. Overall rosters – I think the Cardinals roster is probably better, but I, I just but with think these injuries, it's, it's kind of interesting. Justin Pugh did get hurt with his elbow, you know, Hudson's out, but since I expect them to play, it really kind of has come down to uh, is the Panthers offensive weapons against a bad Cardinals corner type of group from outside of, you know, Byron Murphy, who is actually like, they essentially held Cooper cup to 44 passing, or I should say receiving yards last week. And he's had kind of a, he had almost start to a breakout with getting a bunch of picks, but he's been off to an insane tear to start the season. It's just, you're only as strong as your weakest link and Arizona's links are pretty weak at linebacker and quarterback three and four. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, I just, I'm curious to see how the kind of the matchups evolve from that side of the ball, because Carolina, they really have to get going offensively to really solidify themselves as a respectable team because their defense and even their special teams, they've been kind of carrying the load. A guy you guys have seen, uh, plenty of times Johnny Hecker is their punter, mm-hmm. so he can, and he's a, still a phenomenal player, so he can flip field position in an in instant, and that could be one of the big differences. Uh, uh, another one of your former players, Zane Gonzalez, he unfortunately um, got injured in the preseason. He's out for the year, but they signed Eddie Pinheiro, and he's been really good. He hasn't missed a beat. Uh, and you guys have a good kicker too with Prater and uh, Andy Lee, who's a former Panther. Um, he's a pretty respectable punter. So I'm, the special teams, I think, probably won't be a well, it's always going to be a difference, especially in a game right. that's expected to be close. Uh, but for me, I think the biggest area where this game is going to be won or lost is going to be how the Cardinals offense does against the Panthers defense because for me I'm not expecting the Panthers offense to look any better than they did the first three weeks mm-hmm. uh, especially if McCaffrey's not at 100% even if he does play I mean just speaking facts he's not going to be the uh, same player he was the 
past couple weeks, it's very difficult for him to uh, generate kind of easy yardage. Everything is such a struggle for him. So can the how well can the Panthers defense do to give Carolina short fields and can they turn those into points? Because I think the Cardinals will be able to move the ball. Um, it's for them, it's how consistently are they going three and out? Are they just so that's I believe that what my keys to the game are. And uh, I don't know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, no. And I, like you said, special teams did play a huge factor last week. The Cardinals started off with a three and out on third and two, kind of a almost like a pre-registered deep shot to AJ Green on the sideline, which, you know, is one of those things where they'll be aggressive. They'll take shots, at least when they get some of those one-on-one matchups. Cliff and Kyler will trust their players to make plays. And uh, that, at least with the receivers, kind of backfired on them last week. They had at least three or four receivers who either didn't look for the ball or had issues and they had six drops by the offense it's a completely different game but the Rams also last week um, Cardinals had Ezekiel Turner who's been a core special teams player was out hurt that Deontay Thompson in who is uh, their personal punt blocker he gets blown up punt gets blocked Rams take over and are already basically in field goal range that just kind of set the whole game up for the most part because then Arizona it just seemed like when they didn't connect on that one deep pass they never recovered i think it was even in 2020 they had a deep pass lined up for an andy isabella who was wide open and he runs his route too short and instead of it being you know reading going off the quarterback going to his spot he just kind of rounded off the route ball goes over his head mary's like oh why did you do that like you're, you just run this in practice you got to go up you know further be able to get to the sideline and that's one of those things where if, uh, whoever gets off to the quicker start, I think will have the advantage in this game because then you'll be able to run the ball. I think at least on the other team, uh, this team obviously has some big play threats for the most part, at least in McCaffrey and in Murray with his legs. Um, I, I do feel like you said, if the Panthers are able to get out to an early enough lead, that may be enough of a difference at least to kind of put Arizona on their heels. Cause you know, outside of Murray having one, great quarter for the most part at least where he was just putting the team on his back um greg jennings style, i guess you could say uh they've just not really been able to be that competent as an offense and we'll uh, we'll see how it looks at least going into um sunday's game as far as uh, i think my key to the game is who's going to be more desperate to be able to come out and be able to kind of take that lead because both these teams are one and two and there is i think a huge difference between one and three and two and two um, like even if the Panthers starting out 0-2, like if you can beat Arizona and have wins in back-to-back weeks, look at the rest of the division, like, uh, you know, the, maybe the, the teams can include or, or at least have something to kind of stand on it, struggling to get off to a hot start and then coming back into it. Arizona's kind of the same way. And if whatever of those teams at least loses, and hopefully we don't have a tie, gosh, I would hate that. Uh, that's going to kind of, I think, be at least of who's going to feel that pressure because, you know, there's a lot of pressure on jobs in Carolina with rule. There's always going to be pressure on Kingsbury as long as he's in Arizona, just because of how he was hired. But Arizona's had a lot higher standard and circumstances that they've felt for this season. We'll see if that desperation pays off for them going into this game. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and that's, you know, the storylines couldn't be more fantastic. And that's probably a, a product of this, these teams playing each other, um, for the fourth straight year, I think. Uh, and, and it's weird though, Carolina being an East coast team, their next two games are at four o'clock Eastern. Um, I'm still trying to figure out why that is. <laughs> and, and it's not like they have a 425 fox slot it's the 405 individual slot and right and, and next week it's the 49ers who are coming off a monday night game so that that's another advantage for them um but this week it's a pretty uh, must-win game i would say for both teams so i should be looking forward to it blake anything you want to plug before we sign off for the day yeah, you can just go and check out that work at revengeofthebirds.com. I know I'm trying to see if I can kind of loop in a little bit more of just seeing where the team is. A lot of Arizona, I think, right now is just having these big questions about the team. And it's still early in the season. Like, I remember last year, everyone loved how the Cardinals started, 
you know, seven and zero went to 10 and two. And then now everyone can talk about is where it went downhill. So be here kind of to talk about all of it. Obviously Carolina Panthers and Arizona Cardinals fans, you know, have a history, whether it's in playoffs or in just kind of how this weird Avenue of, it just feels like it's total domination one side or the other. Like, you know, we can point to Dome in that 2013 game. You can point to, um, you know, the last or so few years, I, I will say that, uh we'll see if, if the cardinals lose this game on sunday they'll have gone 10 years without getting a win against the panthers and that's that's going to be kind of crazy so uh if they win <laughs> at least we'll talk about how the season's kind of saved if they lose and you can follow me at blake murphy seven we'll be kind of looking at least at where the team goes from there as they uh have a game against the eagles like you said next week that could be uh it's just it kind of puts you on edge at least for the most part the way this team has started out <laughs> Never say never. They could face them in the playoffs. It'd be hilarious, honestly, if they could come back, make the playoffs. And like I've said, the funniest uh, the timeline would be the one where the Cardinals beat the Eagles, at least in a close game, and then just lose to Geno Smith and the Seahawks the next week. Like that would just be the funniest timeline because this team's capable of doing that. We've seen it before. Absolutely. Well, everyone, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we'll look forward to this game on Sunday and have a good one.